0: Welcome to another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast, a podcast all about inspiring and encouraging dads and anglers as we wade through fishing, parenting, and faith on the fly. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 64 of the Dads on the Fly podcast. I'm Caleb Simmons, your host, and I'll be joined by my brother, Joshua Simmons, and another special guest here in just a few moments. And let me tell you, tonight's interview is just so much fun. We get the great opportunity in this episode to talk to Mr. Tim Camisa of Trout and Feather. Now, if you're on social media, I got to tell you, Tim is a guy to follow. If you love fly fishing and you enjoy laughing and having a good time, man, his TikToks, his Instagram, his YouTube channel, they are so great. As he really does, as we talk about in this episode... Keep fly fishing fun. That's the whole point of this thing, right? Is to go out and to have a good time and uh, even to be able to do that with your kids. This was such a great conversation with Tim. Tim is uh, an established author. He's written a book called Fly Tying for Everyone. His media channels with YouTube and Instagram and his TikToks ...are so informational. His real mission at Trout and Feather is that fly tying and fly fishing is for everyone. And so he is helping lessen the learning curve for anyone who is interested in getting into fly fishing. So we really hope you enjoy that interview here in just a few moments. But before we dive into that, we just want to remind everyone we have been so excited for the upcoming first ever Dads on the Fly Father-Son Retreat. This is going to be such an awesome opportunity. Uh, It's April the 28th through April the 30th. We're going to have dads coming in with their sons for that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We're going to have some great food, but most importantly, we're going to have a lot of fun out on the water. We're going to have some guided fly fishing right there on the West Fork of the Pigeon River here in Canton, North Carolina. We cannot wait for that. And we're also just going to try to give you some opportunities to be intentional with your sons. So this trip is for fathers and their sons. We're asking sons to be between age 8 to 14. But if you've got a son close to that, make sure to shoot us a message. We can make sure to try to try to make it work. But if you want to sign up, shoot us a message soon because the retreat is already almost full. So shoot us a message you can shoot us an email at the dads at dadsonthefly.com or shoot us an Instagram message or anywhere you find us online. If you're interested in that trip, we can give you all the details when you shoot us a message. It is not going to be something you want to miss. We also want to take a minute to just thank everyone that continues to rate and review this podcast. The word is just getting out, and this thing is continuing to grow. So if you find this conversation fun today, share with a friend, share with a buddy. If you haven't yet, please leave us a rating or a review. We also want to take a minute and just thank our sponsors who have been continuing to help make this podcast a success. Uh, Shannon over at the Maggie Valley Fly Shop. A lot of you heard Shannon's story on last week's episode of the podcast. Love what they're doing over there. And then also the Anadromous Fly Company. Again, your sharpest decision in fly tying tools and scissors. Uh, You can check them out at aflyco.com. And speaking of fly tying, let's dive in now to our conversation with Mr. Tim Camisa of Trout and Feather. (laughs) Well, hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the Dad of the Fly podcast uh, I am Caleb with my brother Joshua And Joshua we've got another awesome special guest tonight uh, This guy is just huge in the social media fly fishing community for sure I know that's where I first got to experience our guest for tonight And so tonight with us we've got Mr. Tim Camisa from Trout and
1: Feather Tim, how are you man? Caleb, I'm doing great. It's it's awesome to be on the show with you and Joshua. I'm looking forward to having some fun tonight. Thanks for all you do for these podcasts, for all of your listeners out there. Making a podcast is not an easy thing. There's lots of time that goes into it. And the fact that these guys have been doing it for, you know, over eighteen months is just awesome. So congrats for you guys.
2: We appreciate that. I wanna first, I think we have to first tell a little story, backstory here about about getting Tim on the show. Can we not do that for? I mean, this is our show, right? And it's kind of I am usually the guy who asks the guest on the show. Correct, Caleb?
0: Yeah, that's that's usually Josh with Josh. But this
2: is my role here on the show, and I took it on this time. Caleb was, man, I really love this guy's fly (laughs) time. We got to get this guy on, and he's like, I think I'm gonna do it. I think I'm gonna ask, and I was like, he'll say, I think he'll he'll go for it, and. Caleb made the big ass man, so we're proud. He he got it. He got you on the show. We're just pumped to have you. That's buddy. out we of really my comfort song for sure. So, uh. oh,
1: it's not a big deal. I'm I'm excited whenever people ask me, and, and especially like knowing the topics and like the the format of your show. I'm looking forward to this one. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, you definitely are. Uh, you're dad on the fly. You got a, you
0: got kids at home um, that uh, you know you're you're trying to get on the water, and we're going to get into that here in a little bit. But That's Tim, right. get us started with uh, first of all, we want to tell everybody a little bit about you. So you have uh, Trout and uh where tell us what kind of the idea is behind Trout and Feather.
1: Sure. Well, I guess I, I'll try to start this with at least I'm just going back to like my my we'll say my mid twenties. In in that age, you know, I was a school teacher. I still am a public school teacher. Uh, I love teaching those nine months, but those other three months of the year, I had some free time. You know, you're you're not making a lot of money at the beginning. So I thought, how can I spend my off season? Why not become a fly fishing guide? And it sounds awesome. But then when you realize nine months a year, you're teaching, three other months a year, you're, you're basically teaching kids again when you're in a drift boat with these guys, which it was a blast. But I started saying to myself, I think I need to go like another path. Whenever I have my summers, and just to kind of you know restructure my time, because I wanted to be the person being rowed, not the person doing the rowing. Like and it. it was when YouTube was kind of, you know, in its beginnings. And I, I thought, let me just see if I can make a couple YouTube videos. With I had no plan, no pathway, no brand name, nothing. It was just me making some YouTube videos upstairs in my house, just my fly time room just trashed completely behind me. I mean, I had no, I knew nothing, absolutely nothing. So I put out a couple of videos. Uh, I sent them to like dad, my friends, my family, and I just kind of let them sit for a while. And I got this notification from YouTube and it was like, congratulations. And I can't remember what it is now, but it was like, you have a thousand video views or a hundred subscribers. And I was like, Oh my gosh! Like somebody's actually watching these videos, and it was just like it, I kind of geeked out, and I just kept making more videos, and you know, it went from a thousand views to ten thousand views to like I remember my first one hundred thousand views, and the same thing with subscribers, where it went from like ten to hundred to a thousand. Now it's pushing like twenty five thousand, and um, it's just been really awesome just to to give back because at the time. I didn't know where it was going to take me. I didn't know the people that I would meet. And now I'm like I'm sitting here and I'm like I just fished with like Tom Rosenbauer in Vermont this this summer. He invited me to fish with him and we get there and the first thing he says is like thanks for all you do for fly fishing and I'm like something's wrong here like he needs to like reverse roles like I'm thanking him. So it's just wild to see like the amount of people that I've been able to Kind of influence in a positive way and, and share my energy and enthusiasm with YouTube. And then from YouTube, it just kind of grew where it was like I liked the format of, of YouTube and the structure, but I wanted a little bit more of a convenient way to kind of set my my videos apart. So then I, you know, threw them over onto a website, which is troutandfeathered.com. And then from there, it's just kind of grown into other social medias. And I'm really happy to share all this stuff throughout. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, I I have ways that I'm constantly either sharing my videos or or sharing content to to help others. Because at the end of the day, like that's my goal is to really just to, to help lessen this learning curve of fly fishing and fly tying.
2: That's such a great point, man. Um, just real quick, Mr. Rosenbauer, what a what an awesome guy. He was on our podcast a few uh, about a, about a month ago now, yeah. and uh, just so humble. I mean, to spend time with us and such an awesome thing you got to fish with him. But I want to. We kind of skipped one part, and I just want to say, when was the first time you actually had a fly rod in your hand? Did you grow up fly fishing?
1: Well, I grew up in a pretty you know, we'll say outdoor oriented family, if that makes sense. And my dad was an avid duck hunter. He has pointing dogs to this day, so we love to chase you know grouse, pheasants, woodcock all that stuff and if there was something that was out there in the outdoors my dad was into it so he kind of naturally nudged me in that direction too. I grew up fishing with a spinning rod up until around the age of 10 or 11 and and I enjoyed it but I didn't love it. You know I, I was happy to go out there. I was that kid that would pick up frogs and throw rocks in the water and it was fun but it wasn't something that really fueled anything inside me until when I was 10 years old I, there was this after school program to learn how to tie flies. My parents enrolled me. I took it. And I had no idea what the heck I was doing. I knew it was fun though, because we were tying these big deer hair bass bugs. And I still can remember just like pulling on the thread and this deer hair just splaying all over the place and taking razor blades and cutting it. And the, the class was taught by these, I don't wanna say older, I'll say more experienced gentlemen that just smelled like mothballs and weird glues. And it was just like, it was a really wild experience until like one day my great uncle John shows up and I'm like, what are you doing here? Like we're tying flies with these guys. And it turned out like he tied flies too. And next thing I know, he started to talk about like what we can do with these flies because you actually can fish with them. So it was one of these things where for me, fly tying actually came first. Hmm. And once my parents saw that I was you know interested in that, I think Christmas that year, you know, I got my first fly rod and then it was like game over. Like my life kind of got pointed in that direction. So you got started really early. Uh, You said you were 10, 11 years old, 10, 11 years old. Yep,
0: exactly. That's really cool, man. And uh, you had an uncle that kind of steered you in that direction as well. It sounds like,
1: yeah, he's my, like, you know, my, my dad's always going to be considered my first and, you know, best mentor, but Mm. my great uncle, John was kind of that second mentor in life that really just put me in that guiding path. I mean, I'm Catholic, you know, he was kind of my confirmation partner. He was just that person that was always there for me in life. But then whenever it came out to this fly fishing side, like I realized that he had been tying flies for decades. He built bamboo fly rods and I just kind of took over. I was like his little protege and I just kind of hopped in line with him. And he brought me to what we call the Liars Club, which meant every Monday they would meet at Burger King or Arby's or Eaton Park or anywhere that had free coffee refills. And it was a group of just all these guys that would just sit around and talk fly fishing and fly tying. And they would just kind of teach me stuff along the way. Like one day they showed up with like 200 hooks and a nail file, and they were teaching me how to sharpen hooks. Now, I didn't realize I was sharpening hooks for them, <laughs> but in the process, I learned how to sharpen them for myself. So, just these these little lessons that I learned from in those really impressionable years, because you know, 11, 12, 13, early teens, into even when I was 16 and 17, like those were like my days. I had my my school friends, and then I had like this this liars club of these older gentlemen that just. Man, I, I look back to those days and wish I could just be back there right now. That had to be so neat for you at, at that
0: age, and we we get that from a lot of guys that we talk to on the show. Of a lot of times, it's in those seasons of you get really connected to the sport when you've got great connections with other people, um, whether that's an uncle, whether that's a dad, whether that's a friend. It really does seem to be all about the community.
1: Yeah, I think you said that perfectly because. Now that I'm kind of on the inside of fly fishing and fly tying, you this phrase is constantly talked, talk or tossed around. It's like the fly fishing industry and the industry guides and industry professionals, and I'm like, that's just a crock of BS. Like to me, Caleb, you said it perfectly. We have this incredible fly fishing community where we really truly help one another, bring one another up. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't know. There's just something really special about it because very rarely do I see people knocking each other down. And you could argue maybe on Facebook, occasionally Twitter here and there, but overall, if you're out in the water with somebody like you're both out there because you have a passion for fishing, you want to spend time in the outdoors and you kind of get what the other person's doing. doesn't matter if you're a fly fisher, you're in a spin fishing, like there's just some sense of community amongst all fishers out there. And, in fly fishing especially, we're just that niche group that loves what we're doing.
2: It's just really been a, an eye-opening experience for us in the last year and a half, sh- having this podcast and meeting people like yourself and, and other big names in the industry, as we call it, um, that that are they're they're seen one way until you really get to know them. And then all of a sudden you get to know these people and they're just some of the names we've talked to. They're so down to earth. And we get a nugget of information from everybody we talk to. And it's like we learned something else from everybody. And I just want to go back into it. You started in then the fly fishing before you. You were tying flies first. We don't meet many people who tie first and go that way. Usually, it's you know like me. You fish for ten years and you're like, well, I guess I'll finally start. And why didn't I start earlier? Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, what a cool thing! So, when did you really just? I know you said that ten year old kind of experience, but when did you really fall in love with like doing your own thing and and become so accomplished?
1: Uh, well, I think it'd probably be sometime in these YouTube years. I mean, whenever I started guiding, that was a big deal because I was the person on the Delaware River because that's that's the main spot where I guided. And I was that guide that whenever they had somebody who wanted to fish for the finicky trout with the mergers, that I was the person they kind of caught up. And I love the notion of dry fly fishing, long leaders, long tippets, like fooling these big trout on the surface. Like that was me. Like that was, I was all in with that. So I just dedicated so much time early on to the, just that niche of fly fishing. The one disappointing thing was that as a guide, I would be there, you know, we'd be getting ready for the float and you know my clients would show up and I'd start talking about mergers and I was just really psyched about it and I realized like you know 50 or 60% of them maybe more than that they 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 weren't as interested about that as I was, they just, they were out there. It was a great day. They just wanted to have a wonderful experience, you know, hold that one big brown trout up for a picture. And that was it. And here I am. Like I was the person back in my twenties where you weren't fly fishing unless you were the first one on the water, the last one to leave. Like there was, there was no in between. I think you guys know now, like as a dad, it's like, you're not going to be the first one on the water. You're definitely not going to be the last one. Like you're going to cherish that 45 minutes you have now. Absolutely. But at the time I was still a little naive about it. So to, I guess to answer your question, Joshua, it was as I start, you know, started to conclude my guiding career, I got into YouTube and I really started just learning more and more about entomology, about how these flies fit in. And then as I started to get away from being so hatch specific to just being more generalized in your thing, it just seems like every time I took a turn, I was the person that I just took that deep dive. I would find podcasts, books, magazines, articles, reach out to friends, reach out to other professionals and just find out as much as I could, find those experts on whether it was dry fly, whether it was European nymphing, whether it's articulated streamers, whether it's right now, like my addiction for muskies, it just, whatever it was, I just had to just jump all in with every turn. And that's just, that just seems to be the way that, that I like to roll because if you can't go all in, it's like, you know, you should go do something else. Like don't tiptoe into this.
0: Uh, I love it. And, um, yeah, I feel the same way. You know, when we started getting into this, it was fishing at first, diving, diving head first in. And then a couple years ago for me, it became the whole tying aspect behind it. And that just threw this whole incredibly new wrinkle in that just connected, connected me to this, this sport and this hobby that I love even more. Um, and, uh, you know, I talk to guys now who are big into fly fishing, but they're like, ah, man, that's what we got fly shops for. And I'm like, man, just, just, just try it. I mean, I even had to have that conversation with Joshua. Like when he was getting started tying, I was like, wait till you catch a fish on a fly that you tie. There is yeah. nothing like it. And don't get me wrong, not everybody needs to be tying flies. It's not for everyone. But um, for those of us who
2: like to go just headfirst into stuff like this, I-, I think it's a great way to connect to it even more. Yeah, I'm still not like sold on. Thinking I'll ever maybe tie some of these huge articulated streamers, that, but but maybe I will. I mean, I didn't think I could give tie. Time, I didn't think I could tie a, a, a dry fly that would catch wild trout in the park until last week, and my uh, my little elk care caddis was catching wild wild rainbow, so I was pumped about that. But uh, yeah, man. So then you you go through these videos, which I've gone back and watched some of the older ones, like that I I tied those flies from from your tutorials. And, and it works. So there you go. Proven point there, folks. He, 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 knows what he's doing. Um.
0: Well, well, I love that about you, man. Cause I think we're,
2: I get this from you
0: and I, I would love for you to speak to it a little bit. Sure. You're a teacher. Um, I feel like you really enjoy teaching and I think you're doing a great job of helping with that learning curve that so many people have when they get in to the sport, you know, case in point, 45 minutes ago, before we hopped on this call, I had a a guy from my church called me. He was like, "Hey, man, I'm getting into fly fishing. I'm buying this starter pack. Like, am I doing it? What am I doing? What do I need to do next?" And I was just, mm-hmm. uh, part of me was about to be like, "Well, if you're getting to tie and go, go follow Tim. <laughs> so like, <'cause> he, <laughs> it'll be a great start for you, just to help with that learning curve." I th- and I think that's a, I think we we talked about this earlier with the community. I think that's a big thing about the community of fly fishing. Like we all are trying to do that in some ways.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, and it, it's tricky because there's so many people out there and at least from my perspective, it's easy for me just to say, go follow me on YouTube. You're going to figure it out. In reality, it doesn't work like that because yeah. it's not like my videos are structured from point one to point, you know, whatever. I, I mean, I feel like it'd be easier if it was structured that way. It just, it doesn't work that way. And plus everyone has a different starting point when they're coming into because I'll just get random emails, Caleb. And it's like, Hey Tim, could you tell me what kind of advice to buy? And I'm like, all right, we got to take a step back. Like yeah. what kind of fish are you chasing? What kind of flies do you want to tie? Do you already fly fish? Like, so, there's so many questions that I have. I feel like people email me and they probably get so upset because they email me with one or two questions and I reply with like six questions. Like, all right, that, that's great. But I got, it's kind of like a doctor. You go into the doctor's office, you say, my, you know, my elbow hurts and the doctor starts probing a little bit more where it's not just, I'm not just going to give you some Tylenol for your pain. I, there's going to be a lot more that's going to come into it. But now going back to that other piece of it, my my own journey has really kind of gone back and forth with fly tying because it's always been a piece of, whatever I'm doing. If you ask some of my friends though, like they're kind of blown away that I've written a book now on fly tying and that I have another one in the works because they're, they're always have been like, Tim, you're a much better fly fisher than you are a fly tire. And now I'm like known in the fly tying community, which is just like my friends find it absolutely hilarious, but it's, it speaks to that teaching side of it. Whereas in, you know, in fly tying, there's a lot of great fly tires out there, but it's one thing to be able to tie the fly. And it's another to be able to explain how to do it. To people and I'm kind of that way when it comes to casting. Is like I love to cast, I love to just lay out line. But if I have to explain how to cast to somebody else, like it's tricky. I'm the person that's kind of like, well, just watch me do it, and then you do that. Versus in fly tying, it's like I can go through step by step. I know how to break it down. I know how to explain those procedures for everybody. And and some things just come a little bit more natural for me than others. So whenever I hear that people want to learn how to tie, like I, I don't know, I can't imagine fly fishing without it. I get why people don't do it. I mean, not everyone has that dexterity. Not everyone has the patience. There's a little bit of money. You have that financial side of it to invest. I mean, you got to put some time into it. There's a steep learning curve. There's all these things. There's all these like butts. However, like you're saying, you catch that first fish on a fly, you tied yourself. And then you start to realize the flies in the shop, they're good. They're not that good. Yeah. And then you, you start to compare yours with theirs. And it's like, it's tough for me to go into a shop and look in the bins now i used to go into the bins for like inspiration now i'm like it it like kind of makes me cringe in some shops like nothing against them but just it's not to that level that you would expect it of yourself and it's cool to know that that you can tie these flies that fish are going to want and i love that aspect of fly fishing yeah man and uh you know so you mentioned your book
0: fly tying for everyone learning to top flies with the latest patterns mm-hmm. that catch fish uh awesome book by the way um would love uh encourage anybody listening to this to go check it out if you're interested to get into fly
2: tying go check out this book it's on my it's on my christmas wish list
0: (laughs) it's on Joshua's wish list i I love it it. my wife as the
2: the instagram link there the
0: yeah i love it um
1: what was your kind of inspiration to write this book oh my gosh caleb so the publisher his name is jay nichols just, you know, one of the most known individuals in fly fishing, just, he was considered one of the, I think 50 most influential individuals in fly fishing by fly Fisherman magazine. He was an editor of their magazine. He was just, he's this incredible guy. And, um, he came to this fly time show where I tied a couple of times. So we met, you know, we've talked, you know, over the, over the years and we shot sporting clays together, just super nice guy, like crazy, nice guy. And. I I always had this passion for books. I mean, I remember back when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, I would be the one at the library where I grew up in my hometown, like checking out seven to eight fly fishing and fly tying books. Like I was that kid, like searching for that silver bullet pattern. Like I I just loved it. And I was telling, he and I would always share these stories about books. And um, I always kind of mentioned that I was interested in writing one, but to me, I always looked at it as I'm a teacher. I'm going to teach until I, you know, retire maybe a little early. And then I'm going to write some type of a book, like maybe a a fiction book similar to the John Garrick stories. Like to me, that was kind of the path that I kind of figured that I would take. So then one day, I don't know, four or five years ago, uh, I get this Facebook message from Jay. And all it says is, Hey, do you know anyone who would who could write a book on fly time? And I'm I'm like looking I'm like, this is really weird. Like this isn't the way my it's supposed to go. And then I start to think to myself, oh, wait a second. This is meant for Tim Flagler, not Tim Camisa. He probably just typed Tim. My name came up accidentally. I'm just going to let this sit <laughs> and he's going to like delete it. And then he's, I'm, not, I'm just going to be like, no, no worries. Okay. So I don't hear any, nothing for 24 hours. Like I let this message sit and I'm like, oh gosh, this might be for me. So I kind of like poke back a little bit. Like, I think I know of somebody who could do this. And he's like, Oh, cool. Give me a call. And it was just like that. So it was kind of his, this was more of his idea where he was like, Hey, let's put together a book right now on fly time. We're getting a lot of new fly tires out there. You know, you're a good teacher, blah, blah. You know, he was really just, he had been watching me for a couple of years and just knew that I could do it. Um, it was an awesome experience. I knew video, I didn't know macro photography, so I had to buy, you know, camera, lenses, just all that stuff. Like now I'm like an accomplished photographer and it was, it's because of the book, because I had to learn all this stuff and it was just a really cool experience. It was very nerve wracking. I mean, there were many nights I'd be tying, taking pictures at 1130 at night. People outside my house, they, they probably had no idea what was going on because I have these strobe lights just flashing <laughs> with each step. I'm taking these notes. I'm waking up at five in the morning, you know, typing away, like writing the book then. So it, it was just, it was a lot of fun. Um, the flies I thought they came out really good, but like people didn't get to see the ones that didn't make the cut. Like there was a paradigm that, you know, took me about two and a half hours to tie and take pictures of. I got the whole way through the process. And for for your listeners who don't know about a paradigm pattern, it's a European nymph that has this. Uh, it's on a jig hook, and it has this really like dark black wing case on top. And I was going to achieve it either with a sharpie or with this UV resin. I chose the latter, and I'm putting this UV resin. On. I put one coat. I hit it with my UV torch, it cures, it's looking like a million bucks. And I put on the second coat and I hit it with the UV torch and I look at it from the side. And it's supposed to come down about 50% of the bead. And it came down maybe 55%. Like just, I mean, we're talking like a tenth of a millimeter, like nothing, just nothing. But it wasn't good enough for a book when you're using macro photography. So that whole that all two and a half hours, all those pictures gone because i wanted every fly to be from start to finish and i just remember going upstairs and just like saying i can't do this and my wife had to give me a pep talk you know get back in there and you know lo and behold we finished the book it was a great success and the stories that i get from people like thanking me like there's a guy on instagram right now who's like posting every pattern he's tying like Every like every day he's posting a new pattern, right? which I want to tell him like stop taking pictures of my book. You're giving away all the patterns. <laughs> now, but yeah, just enjoy it. But, but it's so cool just to see that you know now there's people that are kind of following in my footsteps. That's really cool, man,
0: and I, I love the idea behind the book and what it is, and, and I really encourage anybody who's um who's wanting to get into fly tying to check it out. Uh, we'll make sure to post the link to the book in our show notes with this with this episode as well, and uh, yeah, I highly encourage any of our
2: listeners to go give it, give it a read. So uh, we got to just take a little bit more time before we go into our break here. We're going to come back and talk about dad stuff, but so what do you... You just said, you mentioned the musky had kind of got to you. Mm. So are you into that right now? Like tying musky flies like crazy. Um, and you've kind of like thrown trout flies away or you still have time to go back and forth,
1: oh, man. I mean, first of all, I'll chase whatever is out there to chase. I, I could care less if it's a fish. I want to chase it. I want to chase it with a fly rod period trout is kind of like my bread and butter i mean i live in pennsylvania i live in western pennsylvania and most weekends in the spring my family and i will drive out for the weekend to to central pa and just fish all the trout streams for wild brown trout like that's just like what we do we have lakes close by we'll chase bass we'll chase trout and lakes as well as well um but but then this year like in the spring i got invited to do some smallmouth fishing i fell in love with that and i was like well like smallmouth on a fly especially you know during that spring spawn like it's just you're just catching football. So I love that. Um, I do a lot of saltwater fishing. So, you know, I kind of structure my schedule around like when I can get to the salt. So I have like kind of a tying emphasis on certain saltwater patterns that I'll use, especially like in the outer banks for redfish. And then like, I don't know, I, I go to Iceland once a year. I host a trip there. And then I, I travel there once or twice with family as well. It's like my home away from home. So I have like a series of flies that I tie for either if I'm chasing the Ice Age brown trout in the lake. If I'm in the highlands chasing the char and the Browns, or if I'm now fishing for the sea run brown trout or the salmon. So I have like those patterns that I'm, I'm cranking out. Then the other, like this, this new side of is the muskie. And it's a tricky one because like, I didn't think I'd ever get into it. I saw pictures. I've seen like Blaine chocolates, pictures, just other, other friends that have chased them over the years. But I have a buddy, his name's Bobby Kish who guides for trout in the spring and he loves to chase musky like this is like his thing but he had never fished them with a fly he has you know conventional gear and we're talking thousands of dollars a boat so one day he invites me you know fly fishing for musky we know nothing about fly fishing for them i know just what i can piece together so we get this rig i i tie up some flies you know i i have my eight weight which is nowhere near heavy enough to even crank these flies out there And, um, we're, we're fishing for them and and it's pretty decent spot. I mean, he has this game really to the point where I think that day we had around 15 or 18 follows and I had two or three eats, not one hook because all my flies were tied with a hook at the front, no trailer hook. And both of my eats or all three of my eats came and I saw the eats and they just all kind of like nibbled at the tail. They weren't like just smashes. They were just nibbles. And it was just one of those, like, ah, I really wanted this. Like, i know like there's days you don't catch fish i don't have many of them so it was just this was very frustrating for me and bobby didn't have any eats and the day ends and we're back we're loading the boat and we're hopping back in the car and he looks over to me and he was like i just want you to know like i invited you out here because i wanted to outfish you and show you how much more effective it was with this conventional gear and he's like you had like eight more follows than me two more eats like that's it i i'm i gotta buy a fly rod and and <laughs> Sure enough, he did, and he and I just went fishing. maybe two or three weeks ago, just early October or late September, um, he took me to another lake that he he's like I, I've been scouting this. I think we have a good we're gonna have a good day. We did. We got and he was fly. He did nothing but fly fishing. He was like, "This is gonna be my first day. I'm gonna commit." I think we had 25 follows, maybe five or six eats. I landed two. We broke a fly rod. He hooked himself in his head. He had he hasn't landed one on a fly yet. But it's like it was just like this. Crazy, like whenever you hear like there's people who've been chasing these for like years and they don't hook one. And like I got two in five casts. Like I landed two fish in five casts. It was just like, oh my gosh. And now I just, you know, I I think it's it stinks because I don't know about you, Joshua, but like whenever you have that success, you expect it every time now. So I know the next time I go, I'm gonna be no matter what happens, unless I can get three, I'm probably gonna be disappointed.
0: <laughs> for sure. So I gotta ask, is that the uh is that the TikTok video with the guy with the hook in his head? yeah is that your buddy that's, that's my <laughs> oh, buddy man. Bobby. oh, oh man. it was
1: and the, here's the sad part of that story i won't take up too much time we had we had i'd had hooked and landed two of these fish in this really it was just really sneaky spot and after our second fish he was like let's get out of here We're going to reserve that spot for the end of the day so we fished a couple other spots we had some followers and we had another eat after that in the afternoon but it was just a high sunny day Uh, nothing great going on and he was like we're going to get back to that spot once the sun gets off the water like it's going to be perfect and we had just gotten back into that spot and he makes one or two casts and i remember like out of the corner of my eye i'm watching him and i was thinking man he is really just laying these out there he was throwing a 12 weight i'm like he's just looking great with these casts and um he makes another cast and he says something like it's in me or the hook's in me. And I'm like, I what?" I turn. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he kind of turns his head and I realize he's got this giant musky fly sticking it out of his head. And I'm like, Oh no. And I'm, you know, I, I've been in situations, you know, p- pretty gnarly situations. So I was like, you know, calm. I'm like, Hey, don't worry about it. Let me re- like reel my fly. And I'll come over and take a peek at it. So I get over there and, and I look and I, it, it's it's deep and i'm like oh shoot like this is going to be touching his skull like it's in there it's a it's a big hook so i asked him like hey did you debarb this hook? and he's like no and i'm like all right well in the future you may want to do that so i'm like does it hurt he's like no it's it's okay so i yanked a couple times and, and i don't know if you you two know about that monofilament where you, you push the hook eye and pull yeah. with the monofilament i've done that many times with trout flies i've never done it with like a two watt or whatever or musky fly. And I'm just like envisioning ripping half his head off. And I'm like, I can't do it. I'm like, Bobby, I can do it, but I can assure you it's going to hurt you a lot more than it's going to hurt me. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to pull and I'm going to get it out, but I don't know how much of your skin's going to come with it. Yep. He was like, you know what? Let's go to the hospital. I'm like, all right. So <laughs> we fished for another 20 minutes and I could tell he was just a little like, Hey, we should, I kept saying, are you okay? Cause you know, when your friends got a hook in them, yeah. like sticking out of their head, like you, you want to make sure they're cool. So it stinks because that was like our primo spot and we left it at the primo time so we could have had you know two more fish in the boat wow what a what a wild story
0: um man don't we all have stories like that though just just yeah. crazy things that happen on the water um but i love i love that you're chasing musky now man that's got to be fun we haven't gotten that bug yet we have got on the smallmouth bug um that's that's big oh. for us right now and it's uh we we had a slight success this year but we're really hoping um uh you know next year to really get after them once we start to find them around here because they're they're close to us we can be on them in in 10 minutes from our house
2: um so yeah yeah we're really
0: we're really fortunate so we're hoping to to really get on them in that spring spawn time you're talking about so yeah when you find them call me i'm in hey man don't threaten us with a good time we'll (laughs) get down here (laughs) for sure man well uh listen we we got to take a short break tim and then we're going to come back and uh we're going to dive into a little bit more about um fly fishing and your family uh and uh getting kids out on the water we want to talk to you a little bit more about that as well so uh we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back
2: dads on the fly is brought to you by maggie valley fly shop located in the heart of maggie valley the shop offers guide trips and top of the line gear and apparel for all your fly fishing needs
0: Yeah, Shannon and his crew over at the Maggie Valley Fly Shop just opened this October. They're already making a great impact here in western North Carolina. So if you're taking a trip to the Great Smoky Mountains or anywhere in western North Carolina, make sure to give them a shout for a guided trip or go see them for any of your fly fishing needs. You can also check them out online at maggievalleyflyshop.com.
2: So we're back with uh, Tim from Trout and Feather, and uh, Tim, we wanted to just spend the second half of our show, as we do with most of our guests, talking about um, your experience fishing with your kids. you got two young kids, um, your family, and, and how you do that, but first of all, uh, what does it mean, or how do you as a dad find time, and we talk about this a lot, there's time where we want to take our kids, and there's time where we want to fish for us, but uh, how do you find that time and make the most of it when you do fish with your kids?
1: Gosh, that, I think that's probably the million-dollar question, and, and you really, you know, hit the nail. Um, it's tricky because I get both sides of it. I mean, it's very nice when you're out there with your friends or by yourself and just kind of doing your thing. And I think you have to be mentally prepared for that if your family's coming along, if your children are coming along, because it's going to change the whole experience. And, and I'm not saying in a bad way, but it's just, you have to be mentally prepared for it to change in a different way. And I can tell you, I, I mean, I think I'm pretty honest. The first couple of times, you know, I had my child with me, my first child when he was a toddler on my back, like it was a very trying experience. Uh, you know, I'm not going to mince any words. I've been on a number of podcasts and I've talked about it. It's like, if, if something could go wrong, it's probably going to go wrong. And, and it's probably going to be when you have a fish on and just all those little things, I think you have to look at it as it's no longer about you. Like yeah. there's this bigger picture. And as long as you can get, get across that and just say to yourself, like, there's a reason you chose to you know, get married or there's a reason you chose to have children and and you did that and you you have them and you want to give them that, that best life that you can. And I think it includes sharing the outdoors with them and, and showing them that you're just as passionate about it as, as anybody else. And it's weird because I'm not a person who's going to, of get down and explain every aspect of it with my child. And it's probably because my dad wasn't like that with me. It was almost kind of like, you know, I saw what he was doing and I wanted to aspire to kind of be like that. So I kind of use that same mentality a lot with my own children, but man, if there's a time that we can get out with them, like we make the most of it. Like for instance, my wife has something going on tomorrow after work. And I said to my children before they went to bed tonight, like, Hey, what are we doing tomorrow? Are we going to get on the rhino and drive it around the woods? Or are we going to go to a pond? Or are we going to go to the playground? Like I give them those options. And no matter what they say, I'm probably still going to take them fishing. They don't realize they really don't have a choice, but at least in their heads, they think they have a choice. That that is that is perfect.
2: Yeah, like I feel the same way sometimes. And you try to slide it in there, like, hey, we could go here, and I bet there might be some water. Yeah, and or you you make the other options not as good as fishing.
1: No, no. Well, like my daughter tonight, she was like, hey, I'd like to go to a playground tomorrow, and I'm like, that's perfect. Now, what she doesn't realize is at this lake that's close to our house, there's like one slide and one swing there, so I can justify, like, hey there's the, there's the playground like, you want to you hop on there for 10 <laughs> minutes while i fish go for it then you'll come over and you can you know help net some fish for dad and angelo
2: yeah do we do i know i'm sometimes guilty um like well we can only go to the playground for an hour but if you choose to go fishing we, we can we stay for, hours. for a couple hours <laughs> right
1: <laughs> yeah well another good one is like if, if you're going fishing and there's an ice cream stand close to where you're going fishing like we can do fishing and ice cream or we can just go to the playground and come home early and read books like it's your choice whatever you want to
0: do that's good that's really good man yeah i love uh i think you've got a video on your on your tiktok i guess it's with your is that your son angelo that you're fishing together when the when the bobber drops down you're like oh my (laughs) gosh
1: oh my gosh have you had some good experiences uh getting him on some fish oh yeah i mean I will say this about my son. This is probably like the one recommendation some of your viewers, even though I'm sure they probably have just as many experiences as me, is that when it was early on, I really wanted to like push him to fly fish. No, I shouldn't say push him. Like there, I, I don't have any like thoughts that he's going to want to, you know, be in this fly fishing community like I am. I, I just want him to at least know what he's doing whenever he's out in the water. So when he was younger, I mean, we're talking like three, four years old, five years old. He probably has... I don't want to say caught, but he's probably landed more fish over the course of a season than most adults will over the course of five. So he he gets to release a lot of fish. I mean, we we've had some pretty incredible days on the water, and, and I don't get into numbers much, but when you can say like, well, my son this week released you know 150 trout, like that's a pretty good week for wow. a kid to yeah. go, and 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 he's landing a lot of those fish himself. So it's cool to kind of see that aspect of it, but it kind of does go back and forth where. There's some things he really enjoys doing. Like, for instance, like I maybe two or three weeks ago, we were largemouth bass fishing and he enjoyed it. He enjoyed saying, I want a squirmy wormy. You know, I'm really big on letting him pick out whatever fly he wants. And, you know, he picked out a squirmy wormy and we tied it on. And he was casting and he was catching a bunch of bluegill and he kind of got bored with that. So you just say, All right, well, listen, you're bored with it. Just put your rod down, go do something else for a little bit. Now, sadly for him, he put his rod down my wife had been practicing her casting with another rod and just to show my son that she could catch a fish with his rod and when i say rod like it was literally like six feet of tippet tied to the tip top guide of a, an old fiberglass rod that's what we were using that day because I, it was like tenkara style in a sense yeah. so my wife picks this up with can cast all six feet plus the, you know the, the seven and a half foot of this rod Lays out just a little cast, just dapping it by the by the edge of the river or the edge of the lake. catches a five pound largemouth. Oh, my wow. son is flipping out. He is so mad because she's using <laughs> his rod in his spot with his squirmy wormy. I'm like, well, you got to go net it now. So pick up the net, kid. Go net your mama's fish. So it was just a hysterical moment where he was like, "All right, give me the rod back. I- I'm ready to keep fishing."
0: <laughs> he's he's back. He's back. <laughs> oh man, that's so great.
1: And so your your wife enjoys fishing too. Yeah, she does. She, whenever we first started dating and early on in our marriage, I would take her brook trout fishing. Oh, cool. And that's our, you know, that's our, our, our state fish in Pennsylvania. You know, it's a char, not a trout, but we love to chase those little wild brook trouts in those just tiny streams. I used to build bamboo fly rods. So we were going out there with, you know, like seven foot rods and we're basically just dapping, we're just touching the water with these, you know, dry flies you know, smaller, 12, 14, somewhere, something like that. I shouldn't say too small. You don't want them too small for those fish. And my wife never looked at that as fly fishing. She was kind of like, this isn't real fly fishing. So eventually she said, hey, she was interested. She loves spending time in the outdoors. You know, another way for the two of us to connect. And she was like, hey, will you teach me how to fly fish? And that was like, absolutely. Now it was right around the same time that, you know, we had our first child. So teaching your wife to fly fish and carrying your child on your back it's going to set yourself up for a few stressful days. There's there's no doubt about it. If you're into beverages, like I highly encourage you to go out for beverages afterwards, but <laughs> there were some trying times in there, but it's awesome now just to see the progression she's made where, you know, she, she's been in Florida. She's caught, you know, just at some, some monster snook on a fly. She got some redfish on a fly in the outer banks this summer. She was just in Iceland. She caught an 11 pound sea run brown trout, which is wow. just like the fish of a lifetime. And like, she did it herself. Like, so it's really cool to see her own progression in fly fishing. That's really neat. So I want to ask you what what does that mean to you the fact that you're able to spend
0: time in the outdoors like that with your family?
1: Uh there's nothing like, like it. I mean, there's nothing like it. The positive is that like you just kind of take a step back and you're like, "Oh my gosh, is my life really going in this direction?" Like sometimes m- when things just come together. That that's what it seems like. It's just like, "Wow, like everything's just just coming together." And people sometimes will email me and say stuff like you're living the dream and all this. And I'm like, well, I'm really not living the dream. Like I kind of set myself up for this dream. Like I don't, I don't believe in it just happening like that. Like I put myself in these, these positions. So it, it, it's kind of wild. It's still one of those like pinch me moments. Like when we were in Iceland a few weeks ago, just to know like she was able to do that. And here I am on the bank, like holding my breath, like wanting to just grab the rod and help her land this fish, but saying like, Tim, let this happen. Like all is good. Like, this is going to happen. And then when we finally got that fish in the net, like I was yelling louder than anybody there. Like it was just such, we could have flown home that night and I would have been so happy not catching a fish myself with that moment because it was just so incredible just watching her and and witnessing that, that go down.
2: So I got to ask this question. Um, I feel like just a kindred spirit with our middle school teaching background here. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I get told a lot at my school that I am the, uh, the most energetic of the bunch and I, and I kind of feed off of <laughs> your energy and watch your videos. And so, uh, is, is that something that you, you take into fly fishing? Because, you know, just being honest, you know, some people fly fishing, let's all relax, and, and I like to relax and be on the river, but you know, I feel like maybe you and I would fish small streams the same way after about three casts if that fish. not there. we're moving, is that kind of what you do or do you change when you get on the water?
1: Uh, it just, I think it depends on the day and who I'm with as well. I mean, like, I'm definitely high energy like people would tell me when i was younger that my dad was like the energizer bunny and he just never stopped and i think i i kind of fit that mold i'm not as i'm not as constantly moving as he was but i I definitely you know the apples they they never fall too far so when i'm on the water it's i'm talking all the time i'm definitely high energy i enjoy the having fun aspect of it you know for your listeners this is a podcast they can't see but like right now my hat's on backwards and that like it it bothers me some not bothers me that's not the right word it just confuses me that like whenever i'll release a video if i'm wearing my my hat backwards people will comment on like my hat being backwards like no matter and i'm thinking like you know we're talking about fly fishing like this is supposed to be be fun yeah and your comment was about my hat being backwards and it just cracks me up i'm like thanks i mean you're helping the algorithm i think you're going to get me a few more views but like that was a really good interview i just had with tom rosenbauer and you're commenting on my hat being backwards like I hope people get that the 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 side of fly fishing and fly tying, like it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Now to speak to what you're saying, Joshua, there there've been times where I'm definitely a little loud. There's no doubt about it. When there's others around, I do have to kind of put myself in check. I mean, sometimes I'll I've taken phone calls on on the water before with friends. This isn't like a random spot where it's just a bunch of people. I would I would never take a call like that. And if there's a bunch of people around, you won't know I'm Tim Camisa. Like I don't want to say it like that, but. I don't like to be in spots where it's crowded. Like, I just want people to do their thing. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be like in the middle of a crowd. Like, do you all know who I am? Like, that is not me whatsoever. But I was, you know, with my friends fishing once and I took a phone call and one of my friends was just so mad. He's yelling across at me, telling me to put my phone away. Like you could just tell, like, it just really bothered him. He just wanted that quiet moment. So yeah, I try to, I really try to respect others when it comes to letting them find, you know, their own footing and fly fishing
2: but what you said is so important and which is why I've, I've been drawn more to, to your content just to be honest in the last, uh, you know, three or four months is it, it should be fun and time flies should be fun. And you know, yeah. a lot of times time flies is intimidating for someone um, who has no artistic background. Um, I <laughs> teach history, not art. I don't, you know, I'm very non-artistic, never not creative either. And that's never been something I, and so it can be intimidating, but when you make it fun um, in watching your tutorials or I really love the videos where you watch the other people tie flies. Those have been great recently. And uh, that makes it fun. And I can say, hey, you know, that fly kind of looked like mine, and he gave it a nine, so maybe I'm not as bad as I think <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> well, what you're referencing, I think, are these, like, I'm doing these TikToks now where I'm not super into TikTok, or at least I thought I wasn't. And I found myself watching this one chef, and this chef would always like on his off time, he would like critique others. My wife those. my wife
2: watches these I and shows it. them to me. So tonight yes. I was like, look,
1: he does this for flat time. <laughs> so, uh, I'm watching this and I watched so many of these guys. I actually clicked the subscribe button and I, I don't subscribe to anybody. I'm just like, n- not nothing against my friends. Like there's not much I want to see of other people. I'm just like good to go on there, whatever my notifications are and, and get off. But I found myself watching this guy. And finally I was like, I want to see if I can make videos like this. So I released a couple of TikToks and I had like a couple that 500,000 views a million views I'm like wow this is really something but now I've, I've hit this 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 part right now where I'm struggling because I'm not a person to get out there and be like Joshua your fly sucks it's a three <laughs> out of ten you're not me to swear about it and be like this looks like <laughs> garbage and so now I'm like well that's the kind of the aspect I like of this guy is that he's got this monotone voice and he's not afraid to rip somebody apart and like and my wife's like that's not your style I'm like like, I, that's the last thing I wanna come across is just like, <laughs> I've never put myself as just like professional, this know-it-all, I'm the expert, like I've never put myself yeah. anywhere near that mantle. And I'm like, I don't wanna come across that way. So now I'm like struggling like, all right do i just give everyone a 10 out of 10 and move on like no one's <laughs> gonna watch that's gonna be the stupidest
2: video listen, ever man so, we'll be happy know? to be your guinea pigs we'll we'll tie some <laughs> junk files and you to. can just
0: you can just trash them you this just is trash this
2: them. is the guy who has listen he sucks he at time but go listen to his podcast there you go <laughs> that's, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a better idea for this this guy that time flies um so what do you find time do you do a lot of your like video content and your tutorials and all do you do it as dads, do you kind of do that at night when everybody's asleep or do you do it through the, you know, as a teacher, I mean, like me, man, I know you're full time yeah. in, in the, in that world.
1: Well, I mean, it's varied. I mean, when, when it comes to like the, like the dad stuff, that stuff's going to come first, you, you know, 99% of the time. It doesn't always, you know, it's there's life, you know, stuff happens. Um, whenever it comes to like YouTube and, and social media, I have to be careful because I felt like I went a little bit too all in, you know, a couple of years ago, and I finally had to not back myself out, but just really come up with more of a consistent schedule where I say, you know, if I want to be on these various platforms, I don't want to be living on Instagram every day and constantly be on it. So I kind of have a structure more of a, a consistent like posting routine where I'll figure out the, the, the content that I want to post and decide when I'm going to post it on each platform and pretty much not live on the platform except for those times. So it's kind of kept me away from social media, even though I'm seen as being in all these social media things when it comes to creating content. It's a tricky one because as a teacher, um, I'm off in the summer. So I do have that. And, and I, you know, we have someone that watches our child for us during the school year. And it's kind of with that assumption that they'll watch the child, you know, our children all year round, including the summer, because if not, they would kind of lose their job in the summer. So it's one of those things where it's a tricky balance for me because, you know, I want to spend time with my kids in the summer, but I'm also paying somebody. So basically for the month of June, the first like three and a half weeks of June, I'm on the water just like recording content like crazy. Like this summer I hired a kid out of high school. Um, You know, I taught him how to use my camera. I I have a pretty high end, um, you know, uh, Canon camera, taught him how to use everything. And we just like he just basically was my cameraman for three or four weeks. Like he was with me fishing every day. You know, I showed him a bunch of tricks, all my spots. I brought him to Philadelphia because I had a fly tying presentation that a club had brought me in for. I brought him to New Jersey to fish for stripers and shark. So it was like, he just was with me, like recording content when I'm out with my family. Like if there is something that's cool that goes down, like I'll I'll ask my wife to record me. Um, It's tricky when I go other places, like when I'm in Iceland, sometimes you'll find somebody who knows how to operate a camera. Sometimes you don't. If I'm recording like for YouTube, like I try to record something anywhere I go. So I always will bring a tripod with me and the camera setup's pretty easy where I can just put it on. It captures focus on its own. So it will capture our faces and I can just record people wherever I am. And I have a pretty lightweight setup now. So it's been nice. I mean, it's taken me years to figure out this setup, but it's kind of worked out. So like, for instance, when, when Tom Rosenbauer invited me to Vermont, I was able to say, sure, let's go. We spent an entire day fishing. You know took pictures off and on throughout the day made some little videos on our phones but didn't do really any any heavy lifting with my camera versus the next day like he gave me a private tour of the rod company and then he had a little extra time i was like hey you want to go make a couple videos and, you know he can just do it like that i was like this is going to take us about 45 minutes i set up and you know an hour later we had two or three videos that are now just waiting for me to edit that's really
2: cool well oh, man we can't say enough and appreciate um your energy and and for the fly community, and before we uh, we get off here, I know Caleb might have one more question, but I wanted to uh, make sure we. Uh, I think you've sort of answered this. I know you said kind of muskies in your in your wheelhouse right now, but you you also spoke about the salt and so and Iceland, and that obviously must be a special place to you doing these trips. And so maybe you want to speak on. We, we we usually ask people who are experienced like this their favorite species to chase or you know where they like to go. But it seems like Iceland has come up. I know you say you chase whatever you can whenever you can. Yeah. But what has kind of connected you there? Maybe if you want to go that route and just kind of let our, our folks know. I mean, that's I've not heard a lot about Iceland fishing, so that, that's a pretty cool story.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was really fortunate a few years ago. One of my my partner, my, my really good friend, my my close friend, his name Rob Giannino. He runs the Fly Fishing Journeys podcast and online magazine. He and I got connected at a fly tying event, the international fly tires symposium at that event. Like he was given a room, like something happened and he ended up in my room. Like there were three of us in this room and he was the third. And, um, we just connected over the weekend a couple months later, like he had a a trip that came up where he was going to do some content for uh, an outfitter out in Wyoming. And he just needed somebody else to go to kind of be the model. And he just called me on a whim, kind of like Caleb for this interview and was like, Hey, Any chance you can go to wyoming over easter and i'm like yeah that sounds great like i took my wife out for drinks she was cool with it after a couple drinks and like uh, like we were set so we we did that trip which you know kind of spoiler alert i'm never allowed to leave over easter you know ever again but i got that one we got back and then next thing i know he's like hey i'm setting something up for iceland you know, it's it's a really short turnaround. Do you have your your passport? Can you go for a week? And I'm like, yes. Like I try to find ways to say yes. I'm not the person that tries to find no's. like I try to find ways to say yes. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And we went out there and we just had this incredible experience. It's kind of unlike anything in the world because the landscape of it changes so drastically. I mean, it's an island in the middle of the ocean that's, you know, formed from volcanic rock. So there's constantly volcanoes erupting. I've been there multiple times where there was an active volcano, which is just wild. Like your guy will tell you like, yeah, last time there was one, it was pretty bad. It, you know, burned down farmer, Joe's farm over his house wow. over there. And it's like, you hear these stories and it's like, this is just their life. The people are very resilient. Um, it, it's just, it's a really cool community in general. Like they're just very kind. They're very strong and they're incredible fly fishers. I mean, you're dealing with elements over there. You're dealing with wind, rain, snow ice. I mean, it's tough fishing. I've been there and I've had really incredible days, like some of the best days of fishing in my life. And I mean, this year was probably the toughest year where I went, you know, two days without a fish, then the next week, another two days without a fish. And you just have those experiences that when you do catch one, you just look at these fish, like their Arctic char look like just, they're insane. I mean, when you just look at them with that vibrant orange underbody, there's nothing like that in the world. And then we found out like, they have these epic salmon runs and these sea run brown trout that come from the ocean that, that that run up their rivers. And it's, you know, Atlantic salmon are pretty, like, that's a pretty famous species to catch. And a friend of mine, I won't, I won't name drop anymore on this podcast, but somebody, every single one of your listeners would know, I was just talking to him the other night, he was chasing Atlantic salmon in Canada for a week, not one fish, not one fish from between him and like three other people. And you go to Iceland and like, you can have days with like 10 salmon per day like it happens there like they just have numbers maybe not not the quality not that huge size but you get quantity there for sure i mean uh, we had this year was our first year chasing these sea run brown trout i landed gosh two my first trip and two more this last trip my largest was around a 20 pounder i mean i broke a fly rod on it i mean it was just it was just awesome like it was just one of those experiences it's just out of this world so it's just turning into that place that. I'm, again, I'm looking for more ways to say yes to Iceland and finding out more and more about it. And then you get there and you see the scenery. I mean, there's like the water. There's a waterfall every like half a mile. Like every half a mile, you could tell your your driver just stop to take a picture. I mean, you can't, but you could do that every <laughs> half a mile there.
2: Yeah, are we allowed to, you know, throw out a you you host a trip? Correct.
1: Yeah, I host a trip there. Um, if any of your listeners are interested. By all means, shoot me an email and they can, you can find my contact information through my website, which is troutandfeather.com. But don't look at it as like, you got to take my trip. My trip's ever evolving. Like we're constantly trying to keep it fresh for us, for those of us who have gone on it year after year. But my trip's a pretty small one. It sells out within a week every year. So more than likely your listeners won't be able to take the trip with me. Um, Like right now we already have half the the seats sold for next year. We haven't even opened it up yet. So it's just from, from prior clients. But if any listeners are interested in going, like email me and use me as a resource just to learn more about like what you should do. The one downside of Iceland is that it's gotten very popular over the last decade. And with that popularity, like everyone's a fishing guide in Iceland now. And my first trip, I was over there and I posted on Instagram that I'm I'm in Iceland. You know, it was on my story. And one of my good friends is like, Tim, I'm in Iceland too. Like, this is crazy. And, And he's like, I'm going fishing tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, cool. Let's connect after, you know, afterwards and talk about our days. And that day, like the next day, he messaged me. He's like, it was the best day ever. I landed an Arctic char. And I'm like, what else did you get? And it was like one Arctic char. And like I didn't have the heart to tell him, like, I got a brown trout that was like 27 inches, like a dozen Arctic char, like one on a dry <laughs> floor. Like I, I didn't want to tell him this. But yeah, he he had just Googled like Iceland fly fishing guide. And just there's there's reputable outfitters and there's some that just are, you know, just the average guy who's doing it for the weekend. So for your listeners, like if you're going to invest money in a trip like that, like you want to do it right. Yeah. So at least reach out and I can help you make that like the great trip that you want. That's
0: good to know. Well, Tim, this has been an awesome conversation, man. And uh, we don't want to keep you for too much longer, but we want to ask before we kind of wrap things up, what what's next for Trout and Feather?
1: What's next for Tim Camisa? <laughs> oh, man, well, I'm not retiring early from education. I can tell you that my <laughs> book sales were good, but they weren't that good. Uh, I do have another book that's in the works. I'm not going to give up too much information yeah, about sure. it if you listen closely to the podcast, you may kind of have an idea of one of the topics that we're going to be kind of dwelling into when it comes to fly tying. And and that's really going to be it. It's just uh, my channel is just ever evolving. I'm not getting away from fly tying. Like you'll see a little bit more of fly tying this winter, but I just really am enjoying the, the fly fishing aspect and sharing as much teaching as I can because I'm now in a position where I can interview most, pretty much anybody in fly fishing. And I want to take that. I want to just like pick these people apart and find out like what kind of makes them tick but more importantly how can they help others and that's what I've been doing is really just trying to highlight more and more people on my channel especially my friends i mean i figure like if i have a platform like i want to pull other people up with me and just you know have them kind of share all their knowledge as well because Man this is like it takes a village to to catch a fish even though these fish are not that smart they have brains <laughs> the size of like our tip of our pinky like it takes all of us to kind of put our noggin's together to figure them out and I'm I'm happy to include all my friends in this hunt. Absolutely. Well,
2: one thing I've heard throughout this whole whole interview man is just you want to help others and and we appreciate that and as dads on the fly and as dads I mean that that comes down to what we're doing i mean we're, we're helping our kids in in all aspects of life and helping our families yeah. and, and you're helping fly fishermen and uh and so i want to just say thank you for that guys com um trout and your instagram handle is under trout and feather as well correct it's,
1: yeah i think everything's trout, trout and Feather. If and you search for my name yeah Tim you, you can find it yeah there. you'll find it and
2: we encourage you guys to go check out some of his videos and it's always a great uh entertaining day he, he has some great ones to, to keep you laughing and i just love your energy man um thank you so much for what you do and uh caleb yeah tim
0: just thanks man and uh i think the thing that
2: i've gotten from this conversation a lot too is
0: this is let's not forget this is supposed to be fun like <laughs> let's not take ourselves too yeah. dang seriously with all this stuff right i mean this is meant to be fun and so uh that's the energy you bring in all your videos too, man. And I, and I really appreciate that because, uh, and I encourage anybody that hasn't checked you out yet, go find this guy's videos, man. You're going to, and not only are you going to learn a lot, you're actually going to laugh and enjoy it. And I think that's,
1: I mean, that's the whole point of this thing, right? Yeah. They can laugh at me a little bit. I'll, I'll tell, this is the last story I'll tell you. I mean, I know we didn't get too much into like going fishing with children, and that, that type of stuff. I mean, I, I love it. Maybe we'll save that for a future podcast. But the one thing that like my children said, they, they seem to like take after me now, like, as we're getting ready to go fishing, like my daughter, she's just two years old. She'll be kind of getting ready. And she, you know, she, she knows what we're doing and she'll get in the car and we'll get to the fishing spot. and She'll hop out. And the first thing she'll do is she'll like grab her hat and put her hat on backwards. And I'm like, there's my girl with the backwards hat. <laughs> I love <laughs> I like.
0: it. Like, That's awesome, man. That is so good. Well, Tim, thank you for your time. We, uh, we really appreciate it. And everyone listening, thank you for taking your time to hang out with us today. And until next time, tight lines. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. We hope this episode has inspired and encouraged you as a parent or an angler as we wade through faith, family, and fishing all on the fly. Make sure to check us out at dadsonthefly.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Dads on the Fly. Shoot us a message as we always love hearing from you all. If you'd like to check out any Dads on the Fly merchandise, you can find it there as well. And as always, if you can, leave us a rating or review and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time, tight lines.